If you are vulnerable to psychic damage from roguish language, stay away from these gibbering mouths. But if you intend on listening to this podcast about enriching your fantastical group hallucinations, you're too far gone already. Your next game is going to be rich with characters. And here's why. In this episode, we're going to find some answers to how do we create good character interactions? What makes an NPC important? And how do I make a good NPC for my dungeon master to use in my story? Welcome to the Hook and Chance podcast. I'm Travis. And I'm his brother, Jordan. So did you... uh, did you hear recently about the, the news that they uncovered more of Shakespeare's journals? Really? Where'd they find them? Uh, they, I don't know, it was some kind of amazing find. There was some historian students, they recovered journals in some hidden library or whatever. Uh, but yeah, what made it kind of significant is that when they looked inside the journals, they found his creative process that he used to write a lot of his supporting characters. And... Uh, they found just a slew of D20 tables. Saying Shakespeare randomly generated. Oh, yeah. Every, characters. most of them. That's <laughs> just jamming them in left and right. <laughs> <laughs> so that's not how good characters are written. Of course, he didn't use roll 20 <laughs> pre-gens. What? He didn't just click a button on Google? He didn't Google character generators. Oh. Quick character. Holy shit. I need it I'm now. in deep. I need it now. He's writing plays on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> he had more time, okay? Yes. Well, that's that's the real crux of it, isn't it? Because to write a really great character, it takes time. You can work a job or you can prep for your games <laughs> all day. Sacrifice for your art, damn it. <laughs> it is. It's tough. And that is why tables exist because there is very little time to prep all of the minutiae of a lot of great NPCs. And a lot of fun can come from those quirky random ones. Oh yeah. No, you you are a master at coming up with these rando weird characters that everyone loves, but there is always that kind of fine balance of what purpose are they going to play in the story? Yeah. And why are they there in the first place? And if they don't really have a purpose, then what's the point? Is it just that entertainment value? And that's, I think that's totally fine too. Like you can land anywhere on that spectrum. And to that point, my games usually end up saturated in really odd characters. That are (laughs) impossible to remember the names of that you have pulled out (laughs) of your ass on a moment's notice. Gotta be good at something. (laughs) (laughs) We... (laughs) We have a Google Sheet that has all of our characters, and every single time you commit another NPC to a bizarre name, it looks like we're just speaking in tongues. (laughs) Like, this Google Sheet is just a mess. So... A work of art. (laughs) Maybe there is a middle ground. We wanted to see whether or not we could find it. Can really good characters be generated quickly? Well, I vote yes. Let's go to the strategy stateroom and figure it out. This 
is the Strategy Stateroom, where inventive and cunning tactics are crafted for when they're needed most. So to create meaningful supporting characters that are there to make your party's story more interesting, or your story, I mean, we're talking about this from multiple angles. I would argue that NPCs are for the DM to create and for the players to create because Absolutely. ultimately you might want to provide your DM with some cool characters. Yeah. But how do you do that? Well, we want them to serve two purposes. We want them to meaningfully interact with the player characters and we want them to serve a purpose in that story that's being told. And that's a really tough thing to try to nail down. Like, I find that normally mine are missing one of the two. They're either really interesting characters, but they're just kind of throw-ins because... You need some filler. Yeah. Or they are... They're kind of serving a purpose, but I haven't really fleshed them out as much as I would like to. Yeah. And, yeah, so, they're kind of moving the story forward, but kind of haphazardly. And they kind of fall flat as characters. They're yeah. more just a plot device in that case. Yeah, it's always one or the other. How yeah. do you get both? So we're trying out a new concept that we'll kind of go through the steps here. So the first step is to write down a list of character traits. We've talked about this before, but each character in the party should be able to provide a couple of distinctive traits, at least. We did a whole episode on character traits and how to nail down five for your character. Yeah. And if you're using our character sheet as well, then there's a spot on there to write down those five different personality or character traits. So if you've got all of those to reference, I mean, if you've got a party of five, now you're looking at 25 traits. That's a ton to work with. So now you've got this list of traits. And when you're creating an NPC, you can use those to inform their personality. You would say take one of those character traits and you can choose like an opposite or a match for that particular trait. So say if my character is the player and this character is a little bit greedy. Yeah. That's maybe one of my negative traits. If you wanted to build tension, obviously you would pick the opposite of greedy, which would be selfless, selfless, benevolent. Create a little bit of tension between that NPC and your character. And now I know going in, or you know, <laughs> to keep this metaphor straight in my head, <laughs> in this scenario, you as the DM understands that the whole point going into this is that this character is probably not going to jive very well with me if we start talking about money or payment of terms yeah. on this particular quest that they're giving me. I'm able to play that up a little bit and give you a lot to react with because you know that's a part of your character. Now that's a character-defining moment. Or Maybe I stab him. <laughs> sure. <laughs> or if I want to get on your good side, I can have him be greedy too. And that it could even cause some tension. Yeah, yeah, it certainly could. You can mix and match these traits to give yourself endless options in creating NPCs that have all kinds of natural relationships with the characters that are already playing. And if you have that list of all of your characters or all of your players' characters' traits, then you have plenty to play off of. You can choose a couple that might jive really well or some that might conflict. And so you're getting two of the characters in the party on the same side and saying, no, this guy's a bastard. We don't want to work with him. And then you got the other two. You know, you've chosen the second trait to jive really well with some of the other players. And now you're 
Machiavellian puppeteering <laughs> your party to have a little bit of conflict, to have some interest going on with just one NPC. Yeah. In a perfect world, <laughs> that'll work. In a perfect world. It doesn't always work out like that. It makes it a lot more relatable to the characters than just pulling those out of a random bag that has nothing to do with the story that's being told so far. So that's pretty quick. That's your step one is figure out some character traits. What's the second? So step two is choosing a character archetype pulled from the classic hero's journey. I believe that's pronounced archetype. <laughs> yes, the classic archetype. You got your Jughead Jones. <laughs> All right, so you have an archetype. What does this really do? Like, are we talking about any archetype from media? So we'll go over these archetypes in just a minute, but the point of them is that you can quickly look at them and decide where your NPC is going to be able to contribute to the story. If you slot them into one of these archetypes, they will serve a purpose. And you don't have to think about it that hard because I hate stinking. <laughs> don't we all? <laughs> and that helps you turn these characters from game filler into, into actually driving your story somewhere and driving your characters onto whatever you need them to do. And again, it keeps you from falling into the same archetype with every PC that comes off the top of your head because everyone usually has a leaning I feel like mine is, I just, I, I play some kind of dickish aristocrat. <laughs> sure. It doesn't matter if they're working the farm, they're going to take on this like kind of dickish, kind of evil. Pompous. Pompous. Probably. Why is that my type? <laughs> well, that's actually a decent type. I think that's called the shapeshifter. Ooh which is somebody that the party might be able to trust, might not, but that serves a purpose. But if every character is... <laughs> well, like, that's what I'm saying, is yeah. like every farmer and every farmer's daughter <laughs> is this like evil every goblin. This is Priscilla. What can I do for you today? <laughs> it's like, damn it, your daughter's <laughs> creepy. A lot of the same family tree in your world. <laughs> What's your go-to? Like, what does every one of your NPCs end up... Wait, no, I already know. I'll tell you when we get there. Fine. <laughs> All right. Yeah, what are some of those archetypes that we can go through? Well, the first archetype is the hero, and that's played by the party. Makes sense. Don't have to think about that one too much. <laughs> <laughs> no NPC should fall into that role. Then you've got the herald, which can represent a call to action. It's a character that is a sign for some major change that's going to happen in the story. Interesting. So this you would probably use to drop some hints as to what was coming or potentially use as the, the person that needs something from the party to kick it off? Yeah, and just to kind of make it crystal clear, we could go with the classic hero's journey in movies and talk about Star Wars in relation to this. Sure, let's do that. You've got R2-D2 serves that Herald role. He shows up with information that changes the game. Is R2 a he? Oh. <laughs> R2 <laughs> Never thought about that one, did we? A robot. <laughs> but this character doesn't just have to be the Herald for the main story. Anytime you want someone to introduce something huge, they play that Herald role. Then you've got the Mentor, classic old Ben. 
Teach, oh yeah. Teaches the hero how the world works. And I mean, in Dungeons and Dragons, this is great for just kind of explaining your world a bit to the characters. A little bit of exposition. Yeah. And honestly reminds, like when we were talking about that hero's journey and how to plan out campaigns, the mentor held a very, very important role to help those characters see the contrast in the direction that they could go and the direction that they will go, which is to become the hero. If you don't do this, this is what's going to happen. This is your your chance. Yeah. Making they the heroes believe in themselves. Help establish the stakes and get them jazzed up. And of course, drop some sweet loot to get them rolling. To get that level one Luke rolling. <laughs> Here's your father's lightsaber that I stole off of his torched corpse. <laughs> and yeah, they just, they're there to believe in them. Go get them. Gotcha. So then you have the Threshold Guardian. This is a classic fantasy trope as well. They serve to test the heroes before they face a true challenge in the story. It can be a little less obvious than that riddle asking wall face, <laughs> but that is still awesome. <laughs> before you pass through these halls, you must answer me these riddles three. Yes. What is your name? <laughs> Okay, so from Star Wars, the Threshold Guardian in this case might be a place like Moss Eisley, where, I mean, really, we're trying to tell the heroes to turn back. This is their last chance to have a normal life and not be heroes. And what causes them, propels them forward, despite the warnings, is what makes them the hero. So the Imperial troops in Moss Eisley and having to go into a dirty, disgusting bar... <laughs> and face crazy creatures things are gonna get ronda baba and all of those wild yeah in that case it's a little bit more of a place this could also be an npc yeah there might be a few thresholds that your characters are gonna have to cross this could be all kinds of characters like minions of a big baddie law enforcement or a cigar smoking cat that coughs up a map if you rub its tummy just right as you do <laughs> so random <laughs> You know, classic. Classic. That's the classic. <laughs> they weren't of great danger. Turn around now, lest you face certain doom. Gotcha. Okay. Then we've got the shapeshifter, who is the character that blurs the line between friend and foe. They might be acting as one, then the other. They might like the heroes, but reluctantly betray them or come through for them, despite some doubts they might have. Okay. If this isn't crystal clear who this is in Star Wars, I don't know. This is Han Solo all over. <laughs> exactly. He's the shapeshifter. He's the rogue. And this is the one that you were saying I fit all of my <laughs> characters in because you never know whether or not you can trust them. They're kind of aloof. They could help. They could hinder. Yeah. There's a lot of mystery over. to these characters. So it's fun to include them in your stories. This character, I think, is especially important. It breathes life. It reminds players that your world is full of characters that could be trusted and could not, but it ultimately it's going to remind them that this world is dynamic and it's yeah. going to feel real. It's more than just good and evil people. And those good and evil NPCs, they have their place, but then there's also these other ones where you know you need that to really feel dynamic. For sure. Then, to go back onto that scale of good or evil, you've got your ally. They're your buddy. They lend a hand when you need it. Trusted sidekicks. Everyone needs one. Just like you. To me. <laughs> oh, you're my ally. 
Suck my butt. <laughs> We're in a fight now. <laughs> Where is it? You took all of the knives out of this room. I'm looking around, looking uh, for a stabbing instrument. Who's the ally? <laughs> you tell us. Oh, uh, yeah. Who's the Star Wars ally? Would this be Princess Leia? I think that could be argued if she falls into any of these roles, and she would definitely be an ally. Ultimately, A New Hope is about Luke yeah. and his journey with the Rebels. So, yeah, I would say that kind of puts her... I like that we're figuring this out while we record. This is good. Well, I mean, it's just to show how <laughs> it simple is. it is. Yeah, it's out there. It can be interpreted. So ultimately, this archetype is just there to give that hand. You know, they're going to go out of their way. They're going to be selfless. They're going to show that there is morality in the world, in this like troublesome world that they're trying to venture through. Well, keep in mind that that's on the assumption that your group of heroes is super good. They could be an ally to your characters, even if they're morally oh, gray. no. <laughs> When's the last time you played in a pure good D&D game. I don't think I have. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mine are dark as fuck. <laughs> but yeah, they're there to be a character to trust in the world. And they can even do the less adventurous things in your games. The behind the scenes work. They can arrange passage, carry the bags. I mean, R2-D2 in some of the scenes, again, plays this role a bit when he's unlocking doors. Well, C-3PO, 100%. Yeah. The protocol droid translates everything. And you and I have a ton of these in... I think you and I have the tendency to throw in these ally characters as one-off kind of side characters. And these are the ones that parties glom onto. Parties meet an ally <laughs> and then they end up getting one of their faces tattooed onto that ally's chest <laughs> and paying for that ally to go through college and never letting go of this <laughs> random one-off character that you never really meant to be a huge thing other than just a quick help as the ally character. But these are the ones that parties hang on to and never let go of. Yeah, for sure. They become beloved characters. <laughs> and you blend a little bit of this next archetype in there, and it's even more so. And this is my jam. <laughs> <laughs> the trickster absolutely the weird ones the ones that provide comic relief that offer a different perspective on life <laughs> maybe it's the perspective of a mushroom person or oh, yeah. the perspective of somebody that doesn't quite fit into the rest of the world i mean you have a pantheon of goblins and mushroom critters and kenku and just a, a million different types of characters all of them are a little bit odd a little bit off kilter they all have similar kind of voices where you get to do the <laughs> never make any sense oh yeah no they never speak in in plain terms and finally every story needs this last one for sure for sure the shadow a corrupted reflection of the heroes it could be a character that's gone down the path that the heroes are fighting against the path that they could go down if they don't do the right things they're the villains and the antagonists of your story aka Darth Vader. Yep. Ding ding ding. <laughs> so, the corrupted reflection, that one hit home. What happens if the players don't face their their fears and all of those other things that are compelling them in the first place or some of their negative traits that they've identified? Yeah. This is the living embodiment of some of those traits. 
And that's what makes a antagonist click with your characters is giving them that. So that's a great rundown on all of the different character archetypes. What do I do now? Now you've got a character that has some traits and fits into one of those archetypes. And now you just give them a want kind of based off of these. And this is where it gets a little more interpretive, but give me a couple of traits from one of your characters. Stoic and argumentative. All right. So what's the opposite of stoic? Uh, frenetic? Kind of sure. jittery? Jittery. Jittery. <laughs> jittery. Okay. So jittery and argumentative. Let's go with those two. No, I'm argumentative. Yeah, but this character is going to go opposite of one. Oh. Same on the other. Okay. Oh, that's that's <laughs> that's a terrible combo. <laughs> that's just going to piss everybody off. Yep. You got two argumentative characters. <laughs> one's stoic, one's jittery. Jesus. Okay, and what archetype should they play? Well, let's let's go a little bit weird, and let's try and make this one an ally. Okay. So if my character is a large goliath that likes hammers sure so i'm trying to take some stuff from the town armory to arm myself okay and you fail your stealth check so now as I, would. I as the dm need an npc that's going to catch you in the act so let's have somebody from the militia shows up catches you doing the dirty and is jittery and argumentative <laughs> jittery and argumentative <laughs> but is going to be an ally yeah so interesting. So this this person could very well be trying to help my character get out of this armory alive with some stuff. Uh, believes in the cause of your character. Yeah. Yeah. So that would mean that they want something that's against the militia. So their want is to get out, to get out of the militia. There we go. I help you take some weapons. You take me with you. You've got a buddy road comedy for the ages. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I mean, that's that was the whole premise of Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. And Many I mean, others. every single buddy road comedy is two unlikely allies that have opposing <laughs> Tommy Boy and... Yeah, every comedic duo, basically, <laughs> you've ever heard of. Pretty much. Well, that could really work. I kind of want to see that now. I want to play that out. So we had to do an example here because this step is so situational. I can't give you just a list of wants Yeah, that'll match up any character that you create. That's really tough. And the other challenge here, and I, I think we might as well get out in front of this one and own it, is that your players or if you're a player at the table, you already have to have some of these traits picked out. Like if this is all predicated on people really kind of knowing their traits, playing to them so that the DM can play off of them. Yeah, for sure. So we really have to lean into this whole idea that traits are extra important. If you're a player, pick five of those traits and play them really, really well so that the DM can summarize and always simplify and keep doing this on the fly fairly quickly, but has those traits initially to start to build off of. And then the more you do it, the easier it'll get. But the fourth unofficial step is play that NPC like you would your own character. Really lean into it. Make the scene about 
what they want, not mm-hmm. just something for the characters to quickly interact with and leave. Like we were saying, that's how an NPC sticks around and makes a real impact and lasts is when somebody jived really well with one of these NPCs and the party just never wants to let them go again. So hopefully this helps make that a little less accidental and a lot quicker to do it well because that's my biggest problem is that it's always such a labor to sit down and go, okay, core to my theme, think back to all of that Shakespearean literature (laughs) that you studied in high school and try and come up with something good even though you have no idea about the rules of doing so. (laughs) All right. Well, thanks to Tabletop Audio for the sound effects you heard in this episode. You can follow us at Hook and Chance on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Discord, and Reddit. Thanks Thanks for for listening. listening. And And play great games. No, you're not. That's fucking weird. Don't say that.